This is the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. Today, Senior Minister Dee Dee Bacon will be teaching the message. Well, good morning. It's so good to be with you. I am honored that you have chosen to bring us into your home, uh, to take the time this time to turn on the TV, to log in, to click whatever you have to do in order for us to be together. And I often think of the fact that while we are not gathered in one place, one location, this allows us to gather really in our various locations and be together through this experience. Over the past, uh, what is it now, five weeks, we have been talking about seven things kids need to hear. We've been looking at the wisdom of the Bible and asking, what are some of the things that the Bible tells us that we can share to those who are younger, our children? You know, this series applies to parents, of course, but it goes beyond that. It applies to grandparents. It applies to uncles and aunts. It applies to to those of you that may have uh, young people, younger people who are looking up to you. This this series is not just for, for, for parents of young children. This series is for, for parents of older children. This series is for you who have the opportunity to speak seven things that kids need to hear in their life. Now, if you remember, we started out with uh, number one was, I love God. What kids need to hear is you say, you share that you love God and to make every effort to live that, that, that out before them. Second thing we said that kids need to hear is that they, they need to see marriage, a healthy marriage at work. And so we said, what kids need to hear is they need you hear say, I love your mom and I love your dad. Third thing we talked about is that kids need to hear you say to them, I love you always. I love you always. Fourth thing, Tim Peace talked about this. Kids need to hear no. Believe it or not, they need to hear no. They need to have limitations because it's in the limitations that they learn about life. Last week, Aaron Adams so beautifully shared how kids need to hear, I am proud of you. I'm proud of you. Today, we come to number six. And the number six statement is this. You can do this. You can do this. Now, we can go in two ways with this statement. We can say, you can do this in terms of an encouragement. As one movie I saw, one guy out in the stand says, you can do it. Well, this is what we're talking about. You can do this can be an encouragement. It can be a means in which you can invest in your child to help them keep going. The focus of this, of saying you can do this in this way, is to, to give your child confidence. I can't tell you how many times my kids have come into us and they've been struggling and been dealing with difficult things, and all they need for us to say to them is, it'll be all right, you will be okay, you can do this. You can do this can be a statement that builds confidence, but also you can do this can be a statement that is a directive, as in you can do this, you can go this way, you can choose to live in this manner. It can be a statement that that gives instruction on how to live. It's a statement that has a a purpose or a goal of of providing purpose to the life of a child. And, And if you think about it, 
you can do this as a statement of confidence has to be built on this statement of you can do this as a call to how to live life how we're going to encourage our kids on the path they need to choose. Uh, we need to determine on how we're teaching them on how to live life. And then when we give them encouragements in that journey, uh, we can say, you can do this. Now, there's a passage of scripture that I think captures this all beautifully. And there's a passage of scripture that's found in the book of Proverbs. It's Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. And I'm going to read to you from a couple of versions because the Hebrew, the original language for this Proverbs is a little tricky. It's a little tricky to, to translate. And, and so I think if we hear from a couple of English versions, that will give us some depth to understand what this text is all about. And so I'm going to read first from the New American Standard Bible, Proverbs 22, 6. It says this, Train up a child in the way he should go, even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. New American Standard Bible, Proverbs 22.6. Now, let's go to the New International Version. This is what the, how the, the New International Version translates this proverb. Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. New International Version. And finally, the New Living Translation says this, Direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. Direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. And I hope those, those three different translations, three, three different English translations of the original, uh, give some depth to understanding this proverb, understanding this truth, understanding this biblical basis on this statement. You can do it. You can do it as a directive. You can do it as an encouragement to your kids. Now, I did some digging regarding the original language, um, and what I love about Hebrew, what I love about many of the biblical languages, the original languages, they are languages that capture the imagination. They're languages that are grounded in images and pictures. And so when you break apart this proverb, it's, it's very interesting to note that the word train, the word direct, the word about setting your child on a path, that word basically means uh, mouth, roof of the palate, uh, gums. It's the, that's the basic meaning. It's the idea of speaking life into. And so if you want to really get into the depths of understanding this proverb, we have to start with this concept that, that it begins with what you say. It begins with the words of affirmation. It begins with your investment through words, through, through investments of saying instruction regarding living into the lives of, the ch of your child. Now, the next big concept is, is this idea of the way they should go. And, and the word way they should go refers to, to journey, it, inver, it refers to, to marching, it refers to, to stepping, it refers to, to walking. And so the proverb is saying this, that if you are intentional about investing in the lives of your child, you can do this, give them directive on the journey that they are living then they will walk along that path for the rest of their life. You're getting there with me? You're capturing what it's saying? There's some beautiful imagery here that as a parent, as an individual who is investing in the life of the children, we have the opportunity to speak into them 
you can do this in terms of direction, but also you can do this in terms of encouragement and the way they need to live life, orientate their life. And when they give themselves to that commitment, that is the path they will choose for the rest of their life. You know, I've often said, and you may have heard me say this before, that marriage is when two people, husband and wife, come together and they learn to live life facing the same direction. And if you follow me with that, that whole idea of living life, journeying life together, facing the same direction, working on making sure that there's a constant set of adjustments and, and, and corrections as they journey together, then think about then children is the task of two people, husband and wife, who have chosen to live life in the same direction, inviting their kids, bringing their kids along in that journey for that season of time and recognizing that season of time is an important time in which they are investing, speaking, or instructing to their kids on how to live life, how to walk in life, how to journey in life. You know, there's a couple of examples of this for us in Scripture, and uh, I want to point out two uh, of this at work. The first one is in the Old Testament. It's from 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 26. And 1 Samuel chapter 2 is the story of Samuel and uh, Eli, who's the priest, and there's a section where there's this comparison with, with Eli's sons who are rebellious and uh, being living a life that's offensive to, to the Lord. They are not in, walking in the way of God. And then there's Samuel, this adopted son of Eli. And, and what we find is this description for, and here it is in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 26. It says, now the boy Samuel was growing in stature and in favor with both with the Lord and with men. And what you get this concept that that Samuel, unlike the sons of Eli, submitted himself, gave himself to following the path, the way, walking along after Eli invited him in, the way that honored God. And and that was the path. And he grew in in both favor, in grace with the with God and with man. Now, I don't know, you know, if you've, you've, you've read the Bible, you may have heard this, this phrasing, favor with God and man somewhere else. And, and, and where you've heard it is in the, the Gospel of Luke. Now, we don't get too much information regarding the life of Jesus. The life of Jesus when he, uh, in terms of when he was a boy and when he was a teenager. We don't have too many stories, but what we do have is, is this one story when Jesus was 12 years old and he went with his family from Nazareth up north and he traveled south to Jerusalem, and they traveled in a group, they traveled together, and they went to the temple to worship. And while they were there, the family decided it's time to go, and they left, and as they left, they assumed Jesus at 12 was hanging out with his friends, he was with family members, he was with them, and they were traveling, and it says that after a time, they realized that Jesus wasn't with them, and so Mary and Joseph, they went back to Jerusalem, and they found Jesus in the temple, and they were amazed to find him sitting at the feet of the, the, the teachers of the law and the priests, having conversation about the Word of God. And when they asked him what he was doing, he said, Wouldn't, didn't, didn't you think you would find me here in my father's house, right? And, and, and so you have this whole interchange going on. And then it says this in, in Luke chapter 2, verse 51, it says, then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. So here we go. He, he was obedient. He gave them himself to following along with the way they were living life. He was obedient to his parents in the, in the manner in which they were living, honoring God, right? 
But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. She, she, she pondered what had happened there and reflected upon them. And it says, And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. You see two examples of Proverbs 22.6, right? See, kids need to hear from us this, this direction on how to live life. They, they need to hear from us. Just We need to speak into them these things. But also they need the encouragement. They need the, the giving confidence in that way. And when they make that commitment to live life in that manner, they will not depart from it. Yeah. You know, there's a couple of things I, I need to share with you regarding this text, regarding this whole co- conversation. This, regarding this Proverbs 22.6. Um, my kids like to tease me about my accent. I don't know if you notice, I have a little bit of an accent, I guess. Um, and I say things funny, uh, you know, contribute and aluminium. Uh, I say things in a, in a weird way. And sometimes uh, I come up with statements that don't necessarily fit exactly right. And my kids just love to, to mock me and love to make fun of me. And it's, it's all in good fun. And so I want to share with you a few didyisms as an encouragement regarding this this text, regarding this encouragement where you can say to your kids, you can do this. Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. There's a couple things I think I need to address. And so I've got three didyisms, three didy statements that I think is important in coming to this, this scriptural truth and living it out and applying it. First of all is this. Kids are not blank pages, they're boxes of chocolates. And when I say boxes of chocolates, let's just finish it out, you never know what you're going to get. Kids are not blank pages, they are not neutral when they come out. They are not without their own minds and their own preferences and their own will. Kids are not blank pages. Which means then that the thought that we just simply have to plug in the right data and do the right things in them and automatically they're going to turn out okay is not accurate. Why? Because kids are boxes of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. I have four children and four children that are extremely different. And because they're different, we, Shannon and I, have had to learn how to approach each of them. I have one child that when, if there was even a hint of my disapproval, even a hint of, of, of this child doing something wrong, I would just have to, to look at this child and, and it would be all falling apart, it would be contrition. I mean, this is the child that was the hardest to correct because whenever it was time to correct, and, and I'm gonna say, she would come and she was just so humble and I'm so sorry, Father, for I have sinned against the house and the family. I mean, it was, I mean, like, how, how am I supposed to correct, I mean, Really? And then there was the other ch- other child who, you know, if I looked at them, him disapprovingly or her disapprovingly, they would be like, what you looking at, dad? You got a problem? You know, what's what's happening here, right? Well, kids kids are different. Each of them have their, their will. Each of them have their, their minds, their preferences. Each of them are different. Kids are not blank pages. They're boxes of chocolates, which means then that when we have to apply this text to their lives, when we have to train up a child in the way they should go, 
right? Let's not assume that they're blank pages, but we're going to have to have wisdom and skill and understand that each child is going to be different and how you approach each child in training them up in the way they need to go in life is going to require different skill sets. You're going to require different approaches for each different child. And sometimes those different approaches at different stages of their life. Second DDism. Life is a journey. And it's not putting together a cabinet ordered from Amazon. Life is a journey. Life is a journey. And we get this from the proverb, right? Train them up in the way they should go. Life is a series of steps. Life is a series of one step over the other, going in a certain direction towards a certain destination. And it's a, it's a matter of adjusting. It's a matter of correcting. It's a matter of, of, of using information that will determine the direction that you go. But it's life's a journey, not following the instructions of a cabinet ordered on Amazon. Why am I saying that? Well, I'm saying that because uh, I had to do that just not too long ago. My daughter, Maddie, she ordered a, a cabinet. It came in the mail. It was this box and I hauled it up to her room and I took it apart and I took all the pieces apart and I got the, the owner's in, the, the instruction manual and it had a step-by-step guide on how to put this together and so I started following step one two three doing this doing that following with this put a with b and c and d and all that stuff and as I was doing it I made a mistake I discovered that I had turned a couple of the panels inside out they were back to front they fit together but they weren't the right way and so I looked at them like oh my goodness this is not how it's meant to be. I have not followed the instructions and so what did I have to do I had to to take it apart I had to go back my five steps in order to rectify the problem. Why? Because when you're living in, when, when, when putting together a cabinet, it's important that you follow the steps perfectly. And if you don't follow the steps perfectly, then the whole thing's ruined. You, it, the whole thing is, is not right. And I'm saying this because sometimes I think as parents, and, and I'm saying this as an encouragement, that sometimes as parents and sometimes as, as folks that have influence over young people, we think it's like constructing that cabinet that if I follow all the steps and I say the right things and have all the things in place, then they will turn out right. They will turn out perfectly. They won't have issues. They, they, they will be able to, to be obedient and loving and all the things that we want for our kids. Well, that's just not how it is. That's just not how it is. Sometimes, of course, there, there are boxes of chocolates. They're going to have their own mind and, and push against what you, you teach them, which is it's part of the parenting process. And sometimes you're not going to do things exactly right. As a parent, you're going to mess up. But when you mess up, it's not like you missed a step on the instruction. No, it's like you took a misstep in a journey. Not all is lost. What's needed is a simple course correction. What's needed is for you to recognize that and to change and to adjust and to continue on in the journey. Why? Because life and the rearing of children is a journey. It's not putting together, it's not putting together the cabinet that you ordered from Amazon. Third DDism. Bear with me here. Third deism is this, and, and again, I want to encourage you because I don't think I know a parent. I don't think I know a person that has, in, has children or has influence over children, who's invested in children. I don't think there's a person that doesn't deal with guilt, that doesn't feel that there are moments that they're the worst parent in the world, the worst mom in the world, the worst dad in the world. They feel guilty for what they've done. They feel guilty well, because their kids have made decisions that, that are disappointing. They feel the weight of this, this burden and, and they don't feel this. Well, 
let me encourage you this way. Here's, here's my third DDism in this whole process. If I'm the problem, if I recognize that I have responsibility in some way with the problem that's occurring, that is good news. Why is that good news? Because we're given hope that with God's resourcing, we can be part of a solution. We can be part of the solution. If we are without total responsibility, then it's out of our hands and it's hopeless. There's no change. There's no hope. There's no possibility for rectification. There's no possibility for course correction. But if we have responsibility in one way or the other for the problem, that's good news. Why? Because if we're the problem, we can be part of the solution. Now, in rearing children, you often wonder, how much responsibility do I have? Didi, you said they were a box of chocolates. Sometimes they do their own thing. I, I get it. I get it. And, and really, in thinking about responsibility, uh, there are times where we're more responsible for what's happened and times when we're less responsible for what's happened. And maybe at times you're like, you know, uh, these things have all happened to me. I was totally out of my control. It was totally them making those decisions. And, you know, I, you, you may be right. But you know what? A lot of times I would say that there's never 100% uh, responsibility and 0% responsibility when it comes to matters of relationship in life. And you know what? You may be right. You may be 1% responsible and your child is 99% responsible. But because you're 1% responsible, that's an opportunity for hope. Because you know what? With God's resourcing, He can take 1% of ownership that you take for the situation. And he can take your faithfulness in that 1% and he can work with it. Don't forget, we serve a God who said, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, a tiny seed that when, when it grows, when it, when, it's, when it does what it's called to do, is becomes a, a great tree. And so time and time again, we have this in scripture that even just a small bit of faith, a small bit of trusting in God, God can use that to make a difference in the lives of someone else in a big way. Because it's not about the size of our faith, it's about the size of our God. And so I just wanna encourage you, moms, dads, old par older parents, younger parents, uh, people that have influence in the life of the kids, look, we will mess up, but when we mess up, if we take ownership of what is ours, if I'm the problem, then with God's resourcing, I can be part of the solution. Now, there are three things that I would encourage you to think about when it comes to putting into practice this, this you can do this, living out Proverbs 22, 6. Three things. Here's three practical, simple things. First of all, do not stop praying for your kids. Why is prayer so important? Well, prayer is so important. First of all, it's an act of faith. It's inviting God into the situation. It's taking ownership of the situation and responsibility that what, what you own, you're bringing God into that. That's one thing. But it also, prayer is a great orientation exercise into seeking out God's way. Prayer gets our mindset, our, our, our life orientated towards God's point of view. And when we do that, when we're praying for our kids, when we're praying with our kids, when we're letting uh, prayer permeate our approach to parenting, what it does is it, it brings us into the presence and resource of God when we face life in the same direction. It, it orientates us in the right way to walk so that we can invite our kids to join us. Second thing, listen. Listen, be open. Have an attitude of openness and learning. 
Uh, listen to God and his word. There's so much wisdom in the Bible that, that you can, can take and apply to life so that you might have good results. There are people in your life that, that are great sources of wisdom. Listen, I think it's listening is one of the greatest skills for, for parenting. Why? Because uh, we need inputs. It's not easy. And, and, and definitely it needs more than just one person to rear children. That's why God in his original plan has two, mom and dad. Why? Because mom and dad can, can work together. And when they work together, when they listen to one another and are open to each other's counsel and approaching children, when one is grumpy, the other one typically isn't grumpy. When one is, is so fed up and mad, the other one can come in and, and, and alleviate that and, and depressurize that. Uh, listen and be open. Seek counsel. Seek direction. Be open to your kids. Listen to them. Understand that, that they're a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. And sometimes it's just a matter of seeing what works with them, what works best with them, what reaches them, what connects with them. Why? Because you want to invite them, words of mouth, train up a child, into the journey, into the journey of following and committing their lives to God as you are. Third thing, third, third, third little thing that I want to encourage you with. Trust. Have faith. Trust God. Believe that, that you know, sometimes parenting is, 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 is a lot. Of, we mess up. And uh, if you've dedicated your, your, your life to God, dedicate your children to God, and where there are gaps and where there are failures, cry out to God to fill it and trust in that. Trust in God. Trust in, in, in His way. Trust in the process. Again, why? Because it is a journey. It is a process. And while you still have breath, while you're still living, you can be able to minister to your kids. I'm going to end with this. Uh, Andy Stanley said, and this is a, a summary statement. Andy said something that very interesting. He said, direction, not intention, determines destination. You get that? Direction, not intention, determines destination. And, and, and really, it points to the fact that while we might have good intentions, and all of us have good intentions, we want to rear our children in the way they should go so that when, they, when they're older, they will not depart it. And that way is to honor God. That way is to, to be great kids, to be great individuals, good people, right? Uh, but that intention doesn't work unless we make a commitment to direction. Unless we make a commitment to direction because intention is not going to get us to the destination. No, it is a commitment to direction that moves us towards the destination. And so I encourage you to remember that when, when you're thinking about telling your kids, you can do this. Think about where are you, what's the direction? What's the direction that you are committing to? What's the destination you want to arrive at? And when you do that, then you can do this becomes instructional but also then it comes along to give them confidence in a little way. It can be an encouragement to them. It's so good to be with you today, and uh, I'm thrilled that uh, we can have this time. May God bless you. May God work through you. Uh, remember, take every opportunity to encourage your kids. You can find out more about us on the web at mtcarmelchurch.org.